I live for all the listener feedback we don't get. <laughs> you sound... We uh, used to say in the old days, uh, for the 3.1 listeners or whatever, and now we get 3.100 listeners, well, and it's as quiet as fucking crickets ever was been. You hear that, people? Harland it's like nobody's wants, out there. Harland wants something out of you. He wants your messages. Or something. What do you want? What do you want, Harland? Jesus Christ. I'm not allowed to ask for what I want, because then I'm not cool anymore. You can't say, I want this and that. You can't say, I want your money, because then you're a fucking capitalist advertiser. And you can't say, I want your love, because then you're just desperate and pathetic. And you can't say, I want you to communicate with me, because then, you know, it's too much pressure on them. I don't know. Why don't you just admit that you're a doddler and none of those things come across your mind? Yeah, that's it. Thanks for saving me. I've never thought of any of those things. <laughs> you're too busy thinking the brilliant strategies in Hearthstone. Mm. Excuse me while I spill beer in my son's homework. His, now you've given his, him an excuse. He'll hand it in and the teacher will be like, oh, no wonder this isn't very good. The kid was drunk. <laughs> yeah. Good times. So, I am Ryan Disaster Aid McKenna. I'm Harland Wicked Prairie Winds Grant. We are the Doddlers. This is Doddlers Podcast. <laughs> I'm guessing it might be short though. I think it's mostly somebody probably. around here is salty. This episode is too salty. Take it back to the kitchen. <laughs> What's your take on repeating things too many times? No, what is the topic? <laughs> I I think, and I you know we're just gonna have to re- agree on accident. That it's something like repeatability in science? Is that our topic tonight? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That was precisely extra confident. Uh, what's my take on repeatability in science, you ask? I did. <laughs> uh, I have a take, believe it or not. And I thought about it, and of course, when I was running it through my head, I was fucking genius, but now I'm like... Let's see how I fuck this one up. <sighs> so, people, my take on repeatability in science, I kind of, what I want to do is I want to zoom out a little bit and sort of maybe approach it more uh, epistemologically and kind of take a bigger picture look at it and say that I think there's two like tracks one can take or one, two different perspectives perhaps. And they are one perspective is, I guess just, let's just say a historical and the other one is historical. And when considering the kind of a historical case, I think it, it comes down to the idea that there's, you know, a kind of like a reference frame that one uses uh, and in general, that's, I think, typically what's going on. But 
when thinking about the idea of repeatability, I kind of came to this thought that, well, you can always say every event, if we're, you know, this sort of implied temporal dimension, you know, in this idea of repeatability here. But like, if you can always think about um, things in terms of, oh, all events are essentially unique, you know, everything as it moves along that axis of time or whatever uh, is unfolding and it never happened before and it will never happen again, you know, that kind of thing. And in that sense, your reference frame then is essentially, I guess, the universe as a whole. Like it's the, the whole thing, you know. And depending on what your story is, you know, it's like a big bang and maybe it goes into heat death or whatever. And that's the whole trajectory of existence in the universe or whatever. That's one story of how that works. But just, you know, the everything of it all is kind of the reference frame for sort of the ahistorical point of view where you could always just be like, nothing repeats. Everything is special and specific. And da, 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 da. Um, With what we, is this what we sometimes in our circle have called the loaf following Brian Greene, I think Fabric of the Cosmos book where he used an analogy to talk about Einsteinian space-time you know, you've got the three dimensions, but then you've got how long the loaf of bread, you know, that's the time dimension or whatever, and that the whole thing is just one big loaf. So we were talking about from the beginning to the end, if there is such a thing, and uh, length, height, width, it's all of it. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we talked about that. With so little... just for the audience, we call it the loaf, and we might, we might as well just do that tonight, too, if we need to reference it again. Yeah. So that loaf is a reference frame for an ahistorical point of view in the sense that, you know, um, and maybe, you know... Every crumb in the loaf is a unique grain, of, you know, right? Yeah. And so, you know, you can learn something from the past, and I guess if you're a determinist, you can just say, well, next step will be whatever the tumblers of little grains clicking into place or whatever will be. You could take it in that respect, but I think all, with the ahistorical, and I hope it doesn't um, off-road us too much or whatever, but I did want to kind of think, you know, that's sort of the idea that, you know, history, you know, the, the view that history is just one damn thing after another. It's that kind of, you know, that's the adage that one could maybe use in that respect. And then... Um, yeah, so so that's the ahistorical kind of approach. And then I was thinking, well, then you can have a historical approach. And the historical approach, all it has to really be is you just take some reference smaller than the, the whole, you know, the loaf. Um, some reference frame that you can use uh, that essentially, um, and I'm like, how, how did I want to word this? The The main thing is that the, Reference frame is with respect to your interests, you know, and where this starts to me to sort of uh, gain traction with getting something like repeatability into play is that if we have interests or goals or projects, um, then there's got to be a means upon which we attempt to, say, understand the system's that we are dealing with 
that are related or important to our interests. And so having a reference frame uh, that's with respect to that will give us a, a, a better understanding of the system. If we have a better understanding of the system, that might entail quite a bit of, say, prediction or retrodiction or whatever particular uh, kind of quote-unquote you know, control, like some kind of partial control is fine. You don't have to have complete control, but just some means upon which you help influence and determine that understanding that so that it serves your interests. And I think repeatability uh, is is going to be key to that, at least for confidence and for your comfort levels with dealing with some system and the information that you're receiving. And you have a goal in mind upon what you want to do at the end of the day. And so... Um, if things repeat, you know, if history repeats itself or whatever, then you can say, okay, within this, you know, this, we have a hypothesis, we have an argument, whatever the frame is and whatever, however we're using it, we can say, well, now that we have greater confidence in this system, the way that we think it understands our approximation, our model, we can then say, um, you know, make certain kinds of decisions that ultimately might head towards that interest, that goal, that project, that the end upon which we're attempting to reach. And so repeatability in science kind of plays into it like that in my thinking. It's just a way for us to accumulate knowledge and comfort and confidence in our understanding, our picture of how things might work so that we can better, well, who knows? Sometimes you never know what the the, the project is for a physicist that'll turn into something great as a device or technology that does things for us that we didn't think about, you know. So we can apply these frameworks and kind of use them as fulcrums or tools or whatever you want to, to leverage ourselves in the world. And I think that repeatability then has value for that, for, the, for obtaining, um, you know, better understanding and better decisions that help us achieve our goals, our interests, etc. I'm done. When I do these things, I never have much confidence as to whether you'll respond with, oh, I like that, or whether you'll be like, what? I have a meme for you, a name for the thing, your second example. So if the first is the loaf, what if we called the second one your cone of concern? Nice. Sure. Okay, I got a good one on that, I guess. All right. <laughs> Your cone of concern is... I want to I wear one. Anyway, go. So, say more, if you could, about what the analog is on the one side. On the loaf side, you were making, stressing the point that if we take this perspective, every event is unique, and therefore... I mean, and I guess I'm adding this on, and therefore repeatability is to some degree dubious because the event that you're measuring is unique and is not actually being repeated. So that if you think you achieve a result that you find closely analogous or something, it's still the result of an abstracting process, and you, we're throwing them both in the same bin, but they're unique marbles or whatever. Mm hmm. Something like that, right? Yeah, it's an approximation, I would say. Anyway. So what is the analog of that 
on the cone of concern side. On this side, you're saying every event is unique, and on the cone side, what are you? What's the point over there? Well, the point is uh, primarily that uh, it's about our our interests. It's about our projects or goals. It's a way. It's like a leveraging mechanism to be able to head in that direction more so. Um, if everything is truly unique, like here's one example, like say, and this is kind of overlapping with the whole like, you know, replication crisis in psychology or something. I'm going to butcher an example because I don't have the specific one. So it's probably like a hodgepodge of like transmogrified or whatever, concatenate a whole bunch of things together. But there's uh, like, if I go to the student lounge and I put out a plate of cookies and the freshly baked and the smell is wafting over the young students, you know, and the thing I'm trying to see is, you know, you know, does something, whatever it is about the cookies or something, maybe there's some specific chemical, I have no idea, make the students, um, you know, uh, more cooperative and in that cooperation, do they share more and do they all do better in school or something like that. And say I go ahead and take that result and I send it out there to the world, I publish it or whatever. And I'm like, yes, you know, see, look, isn't that interesting? And maybe I have something very specific about the cookies that's more technical and the cookies are just a nice way to get the, you know, science writers to talk about it or whatever. I don't know. But what if then you try and do the same thing, more or less with the same student body for the same duration of time and you take you know, the measures or whatever it is that you're, you know, that I said was there, you do the whole thing. And then it just, you know, they, they don't do better, you know, and maybe, maybe another person comes along and they do worse, you know, now that whole, whatever the frame of reference was that I was using, whatever the model, the hypothesis, etc. It's not something that we can, you know, we can't repeat the experiment and get the same results, you know? And so the idea is that we can't accumulate that information in the direction that serves our interests necessarily. Now, we may get all these null or negative results or whatever, and that may have value in and of itself. But the idea was we were trying to figure out if some hunch or whatever it is that we have helps us you know, start to say, okay, yeah, all right, now I had a hunch about this. We tested it. Sure. It turns out it's all right. And then maybe if 3000 other times people did it again, they're like, oh yeah, that, that works. You know, now we can move on. We can start building on that chunk of information and start asking other questions or whatever. But if it's not, if it's just every time it's something different, then that's kind of the, you know, the the way that we're going about trying to understand or approximate the issue, whatever the issue is, whatever the problem, whatever, is not good enough. It's not either it's it's not approximate enough or it's it's you know not taking certain things into account. But we you know if this is repeatability in science, just for instance, that's kind of the idea. And so it's like best laid plans go to shit. And uh, you know, kind of the action, the attempt to action a actionize or whatever, execute the ideas. So on one hand, we've got, you know, history is just one damn thing after the other in the loaf. And then in the idea of a smaller reference frame, we've got this model that history repeats itself. 
then we're expecting and predicting that we'll get something out of it. But when we don't, we've, you know, our plans have kind of run up against this idea that, you know, we don't quite have the right frame on it or whatever. I don't know if I'm saying, I'm probably making no sense at all. And I haven't answered your question, but I tried. (laughs) Well, yeah, what the question was trying to get at, you know, nice little bumper sticker nugget. And that Mm -hmm. was, uh, 500 word essay or whatever. Yeah. I'm trying to, what was the question again? Just so I can maybe give it one last shot. You were drawing a contrast between two different perspectives. One, the ahistorical universal loaf perspective. And over there, the bumper sticker was every event is unique. And then, you know, maybe colon, therefore nothing is repeated or whatever. And then I was saying, well, what is the slogan or takeaway nugget message for the cone of concern historical project-based side so i was thinking i didn't have one for the match there but i was using these other ones with the idea of like history is just one damn thing after another versus history repeats itself and then some kind of when you try and actually do something you know it's the best laid plans and so those were the slogans for that you know the actual doing of the of the thing the 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 smaller reference frame uh you know the 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 notion behind it being history repeats itself and then the huge reference frame everything the loaf being it's just one damn thing after the next so those were the slogans that i had i didn't have anything for the everything's unique if anything i guess all it was was a slide rule it's like well sure in the whole thing everything's unique and then we just find something smaller like for instance i was thinking of a you know each swing of a pendulum while I'm sitting there in a room looking at it, everything's unique there, but I still use a reference frame. Somehow it serves my interest. I don't know why or how it's working this way, but each time I'm like, Oh yeah, it swings back and forth. So within my ability to communicate, maybe that's my interest is communicating to you what's happening over here. I need some language to be able to say what's happening so that you can then ingest that information as well. And maybe we can share something about it. Maybe go from there and start talking about something else or whatever. But if we all took the perspective that every little event is unique, I don't know how we can accumulate or build on the information and stuff like that. So I don't have, I don't have a slogan for the other. Sorry. Maybe after okay. we one up. came to me. So oh. let's see if you, if I, <laughs> if I get a nicer, if what happens oh. Good. Yeah. Go. Repeatability in science is seeking patterns in ignorance. And what I so ignorance has one meaning, and you know this is kind of like a pun intended thing. Yeah. So ignorance <laughs> is that which you don't know, that you're unaware of, that you uh, lack information about. But I'm, and that's kind of a noun version, right? That's uh, my domain of ignorance is that realm of things I don't know. I don't know, for example. But the verb version is what scientists are doing or what any animal is doing at any time when they're getting X number of bits of input through all their organs into their nervous system, but they're only acting on, quote unquote, a small fraction of that. The rest is their ignore hyphen ants. You know, it's that which <laughs> yeah. is actively ignored. It is not, it's accessible, but 
either some subpersonal cognitive system or some psychological system, whatever. But the information gets ignored. And that's mm -hmm. what the whole process of abstraction is all about. It's about choosing to ignore certain differences in order to bin something. So you're standing by the apple tree and you might say, wow, there are a lot of apples on here. And then the goddamn philosopher could say, what are you talking about? Each one of those fruits is entirely unique. <laughs> well, yeah, they're fine, but I call them all apples. And if I wanted to eat an apple, I would not... The differences between them would be irrelevant to me. I would ignore the differences and be satisfied by eating any of them. So do, doing that move is ignore ants. It's yeah, yeah. You know, no, ignoring I like something. it. So that when you're doing these scientific experiments and trying to repeat them, you are very carefully, precisely attempting to extract out what you take to be within your cone of concern, that which is relevant to your projects, and ignoring everything else, trying to shut out external influences, trying your best to do something, quote-unquote, the same. It's not literally the same. The loaf guy is like, well, no, those are two different things. <laughs> and then you can say, well, yeah, I know they're different, but... They're no more different than the two apples. I can eat either one, and I don't give a shit which one you give me. I can look at this experiment here, or this one This one done in Chicago, this one done in San Francisco. That doesn't matter. If they had a good experimental design and executed it properly, and as far as we, it meets our standards of ignorance, and then if we get, quote-unquote, the same result, something that we are willing to put in the same bin... Sure, I'll eat that, I'll eat that, whatever. Then we found a pattern in the ignore ants, and we've repeated something scientifically. What do you think of that? No, I like it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's another accurate way of looking at it, is it's, what are you going to ignore, right? Because that's, I think, what it is. I think of it like a some kind of a dial. You know, you get the dial all the way up to 11, <laughs> then you track it back to you know whatever seven or something like that so you if going down to seven that means you're ignoring you know whatever from eight to eleven and yeah it that i like a lot that, i think that is essentially the the idea what can you do what can you work with in the world um it's not unfortunately for truth seeking purposes it it i don't think it helps this whole thought about this take uh, but from like, you know, engineering and game playing and all that, it, it tends to be just fine. Yeah, there's no truth seekers around here, right? We've scared all of them away many episodes ago. Looking around over my shoulder. Nope. Okay. But yeah. right. I would, I think that at this point in our evolution and our development of the lifelong conversation between you and I, yeah. I think, can I say, or I can just ask... Are we in about the same spot about this, I think? We would say, well, yes, as far as we know, the best arguments indicate that the loaf guy is right, or whatever, but there's really not much that can be said or done with that, so we kind of just say, okay, you win the argument, but 
I still have these projects and concerns over here, so I'm going to go do my experiments and try to repeat them. And, and this is a good methodological uh, behavior and activity that we are going to engage in, but we're going to refrain from making the epistemic claim that once we have repeated something to our own satisfaction, that we've discovered the truth. Is that, I think we're in about the same spot. Yeah, we're in the same spot. Yeah. I, I do think, you know, I mean, the loaf, as you said earlier, is something we're going to use for this recording or whatever. I don't, I mean, it could be anything. I think you could still, you could you could have it be the loaf idea that everything's unique, but you could also come up with some other, you know, there's so many of those macro, I, I want to say just like macro theories on existence in physics, right? I mean, I just read somewhere, uh, you know, a byline or whatever, you know, a, a title for an article about some research that thinks that there's like, it's like a space time island in an archipelago and i'm like okay whatever jesus christ you know but who i think this notion that every little thing is unique is applicable to a lot of different um you know ideas about yeah that. sure yep i, I also was going to say um it, it, regarding language and that being a, a like a reference frame in order for us to be able to like for the purposes of communication coordination whatever um you know, which also may be, you know, project-based, of course. Um, I was thinking analogies seem like this too, right? I mean, the analogies are not exactly the same. We always say, oh, eventually they break down, you know, or whatever. A good analogy holds up for longer, you know, that kind of thing. But I was thinking, and if Hofstetter is correct, that we are pretty much just constantly using analogies in our language, you know, that seems to me like, I mean, it, I guess it goes, be, you know, repeatability or some kind of cross-reference qualities are important in order for us, you know, to use some kind of framing to then, uh, you know, execute whatever it is we're trying to do. Influence in a direction, you know, the kind of things that we're attempting to accomplish. And I just, I kind of think it's, if that statement that I just made about analogies and language is applies to this idea. Um, you know, then I think it's just, it goes just even deeper. I think it's a cognitive thing, maybe even to an extent with humans, at least, you know, um, because I don't know about the deer that's in the woods and, uh, you know, does it, you know, it's like the idea of a fishbowl, you know, and the idea that, uh, the memory, the length of you know duration of memory for a goldfish or whatever is shorter than the time it takes for it to go around the bowl once, you know, do they just have instincts that kick in, you know, and they don't actually really do any kind of thought process about it. Do they, do they process that tiger chased after me 10 months ago, you know, like, uh, or are they just letting it all kick in? Do we do that? I don't, I don't think we do. I think we kind of spend a little more time, sharing and talking about um you know creating myths and stories and whatnot about and it's sort of the accumulation of a lot of these analogies and stuff about the world and being able to uh, pass that information on behaviorally symbolically to our children so that they at least have incorporated that into their heads and are gonna you know what i mean like i just kind of think this is another way to go about it you know this idea that you're using some kind of historical perspective, you're using something, some way to kind of manage this crazy world, you know, crazy. 
You made an analogy between analogy and something else. Whoa. Yeah, I was. Did I sent you that clip from the that comedian guy talking about Richard Spencer getting punched? But like he was talking about the Pepe Frog, and that's a meme. But out of nowhere comes another person punching him, which immediately becomes a meme. You know, like while the he's talking about a meme. Anyway, just that was funny. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Those memers are right on top of things. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, my son watches all those kind of like crazy Japanimation style cartoons where I'm, I'm like, what is this about? And it's totally, that would be. Get things sold just like that, but then I'm like chat better yet, I'm like super fly. It's busy be the one who bought your suicide. Chill, relax, it's time for a rhyme break. I'm a hop, skip, and flip for old time's sake. So don't flex, I'm not the brother to wild on. I'm not the type going out, scrubbing not long. Suckers out stomp and break in the now lead. So don't step in my face and try to violate. I make records, your best best to buy them. Cause when I'm old and gone, they be collector's items. Yeah, I can never sound rotten. I grabbed the mic and I preached like Al Sharpton. Rap was a major ever since I was a teenager. Even then I must admit I kicked flavor. It's busy be the creator of the five songs. I'm a man, you ladies should keep an eye on. I'm a lover, not the type to sweat you. Behind closed doors, I got my moves in the wrestler. I'm smooth, I get the job done easily. Ladies who know have no choice but to be with me. But rapping was a game, MCs would fold. It's busy B, and I got things sold. From the old school When Kojak had an afro And those that asked me That could cause the catastrophe Is talking that junk But you ain't saying jack to me I find better ways To kick stuff you never say And get paid to put MCs on Medicaid So stand back from the man With the strong voice Step in the meat Yo, money, that's the wrong choice Get loose in the winter time Plus on the summer tip I get raw so you get Who you wanna get See and believe As you watch your man drop As I kick rhymes that are even move your grandpops Make folks hysterical As I reach out and scare a few Call me the flavor man be the terrible yeah. I get lethal with a crowd full of people And get things sold without a use of a needle If MC was to quit and submit, that would really help All I need is a cape and utility belt To play MCs like a game of pity pat And me get stomped by who? Don't even give me that Stand back, watch the bomb drop Rhyme so gifted you can catch him at the pawn shop So don't front or perpetrate the role Like I said before, what? I got things sold And yo, we got it going yeah. on, man Wanna hear one? Yeah. I got stuff that move wax from your eardrums. I spin into action like a whirlwind. Clap your hands, but hold on to your girlfriend. Wow. You a loser if I was to start pimping. I grab the mic and get wild like Bart Simpson. I'm a legend. I'm far from a new jack. Think about rolling? Better not do that. I'm a cool brother, using the cool style. I get the ladies cause I'm slick like new now. Get straight up cash cause I'm far from a volunteer. I get paid for my rhymes and I'm out of here. Back to rap on track and to win again. I buck shots on the mic like a Dominican. Stand back, you don't stand the chance. 
this You better off if you're smoking the cancer stick Cause I hurt your child as I get versatile Reverse my style, make it worth your while I'm on television plus on videos I get more laughs than Arsenio I host a show like Pat Sajak I'm hard to find like a needle in the haystack You want flavor, I'm the man to call on The suckers wanna battle, bring them all on I like to shoot them up, so get them suited up in armor Cause I'm about to bomb on the young man, the old man I'm wild like Conan, go with the flow, don't dare just to program I got the money, the ladies, the gold, most of all, I got things sold 